On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Classics such as Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, my personal least favorite, Gremlins, The Karate Kid, and Footloose all came out that year. Now imagine you actually were allowed to see those films when they came out, and they would go on to inspire you as a kid to become a filmmaker. That is what would happen to siblings Francois Sennard and Anouk Whistle, as well as Johan Paul Whistle, Anouk's future husband. After working and living together for years and sharing many of the same interests and ideas, the three of them together became directing team Roadkill Superstars, or RKSS. After their directorial debut, Turbo Kid, they were approached by writer Stephen J. Smith to direct a film based on his script. He won them over with the film's ending, so they set out to make a movie. That was a metaphor for growing up, and growing up sucks. The movie, 2018, Summer of 84, streaming now on Shudder. So don't go digging up your neighbor's gardens. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. I just giggled because that line was too funny. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> nothing much. What's up with you? Oh, nothing. This is Katie. Hi, I'm Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast, episode 106, I want to say. Our, we're continuing our summer series with the summer of 84. I think yes. this will be the second to last summer episode we probably have. Yeah. We're almost, almost to September. And when we'll be... We'll be... Every week, but we'll have a long episode every other week and a short episode in between. So, yeah, I hope you guys are having a leisurely summer. Yeah, I haven't really gotten to like do a vacation, but I get to go to a wedding in August. That's That's always fun. Yeah, Yeah, you don't see as many weddings in August anymore. It's usually September, October, and June, and sometimes November. Yeah, and May. A lot of people do May too. I haven't had. Like, everyone in my life has been trying to plan weddings in August. And then there, I was like, why? Because my friend, if you're listening, I love y'all. My friends, Barbara and Nick, got married in July. And I love them. And their wedding was inside for the most part. But the 10 minutes I spent outside in the Alabama heat, my entire under my dress just filled with sweat. And it was disgusting. And I was just like, this is the latest you should ever do a wedding in the summer. So luckily... It's located in the northern United States, so it might be cooler than it is in Alabama, or at least have a little less humidity, but also the northern half of the 
country has been having a heat wave. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what to wear because I'm like, what am I going to die in? Yeah. If it's too hot. <laughs> so, but at least, at least I'll get to go see. It's my cousin's wedding and I'm very happy for him. It's my, my, one of my baby cousins. So Aww. it'll be fun. And his fiance seems really cool. And I've never gotten to meet her in person. I have, we have done family Christmas Zooms, but Aww. we haven't gotten to actually meet her in person. So she seems real cool. So yay. Exciting. Yay. What about you? You got anything fun planned for the rest of the summer? Uh, not really. Tomorrow is my, uh, tr- my nephew will be 12 tomorrow. And, oh. uh, so, yeah, so, um, you know, uh, we'll be doing Dave and Buster's, because, of course, it's a Hell yeah. birthday. I love Dave and Buster's. I have ducks that I won at Dave and Buster's. I've never been to a Dave and Buster's before, <gasps> so this is going to be my first time. It's yeah. like Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, okay. It's just like, except there's no, like, climbing thing. It's just like the game room in Chuck E. Cheese. It's just a big version of that. And there's, I thought it was going to be adult, like adults yeah. only. No. But there's a bar with very overpriced but delicious drinks. Oh, wow. But luckily, last time I went, it was someone's birthday, and another friend kept buying everyone shots. So I didn't That's have to awesome. pay for my beverage. And we Ubered there. Oh. But it was fun. They have one of those, like, booths, like, camera booths, but it's really big. And you can fit multiple people in it. And they have a bunch of, like, kawaii, like, uh, frames. So I have, like, a whole strip of pictures, like, of Aww. me and the people I went with. And it's, like, cherry blossoms. And it's that's very, cute. So I would definitely get, get one of those because that's fun to do. Like, the, do the photo booth. Like, do that at least. That does sound fun. Yeah, and that's what I'm excited, even though it's really funny because I keep doing the math in my head. I'm like, so 12 years ago today, I was in California because we just went to San Diego Comic-Con. Right, right. And then the morning of his birth, he came a day early. And so... Mm-hmm. I was literally at the Hollywood Theater watching him uh, get ready for the Scott Pilgrim versus the world premiere when I got the first messages that he had been born. So I always associate Scott Pilgrim with my younger nephew. So it's like really like bittersweet because I'm like, oh, God, I'm getting older. But <laughs> also, you told this story, I think, last year on your nephew's birthday, too. So I feel like I know you don't watch Gilmore Girls, but there's. A tradition that Lorelai wakes up Rory every morning on her birthday and tells her the story of her birth. And it's very funny. She's like, I was I was swearing like a sailor on leave because I was doing the splits on a carton of dynamite. Oh, and it's very funny. But I was just like, it's like, it's your, it's your birthday tradition. It's just, it's cute. I love it. I love that he has a very like memorable birthday because you're like, I was doing something very special and he had to you know, come early. Yeah, that's what that's what frustrated me the most. And then literally, we I flew back home from California to Alabama the next day. And my older nephew, who's now 15, was three at the time. And I had taken, there was a life-size bumblebee transformer at the Comic-Con. Oh. <laughs> and he was very confused because he thought I was bringing bumblebee back with him. Oh, so no. he was like screaming and crying because he couldn't comprehend. Why I was in the picture of Bumblebee, but Bumblebee was not with me. How dare you leave Bumblebee in California? (laughs) Did you tell him, like, well, Bumblebee has friends in California. He doesn't want to leave. I tried. It's his home. I was like, here's Optimus Prime. He's with Optimus Prime. And that just made him even more hysterical. So that's, like, another memory. But we should get down to to business with what we want. Yeah, what did you... What you watch? I might I might be missing some stuff because it, the two weeks thing, like, sometimes I forget what I watch. But I know that I did watch Persuasion okay. 2022. Oh! Because cause I, 
I think I've mentioned this. I'm a big Jane Austen fan, and I love a good Jane Austen miniseries or film adaptation. I love historical fiction. That's why Bridgerton, I was like, hell yes. But any kind of historical fiction, I love to watch. And I was curious because I really like Persuasion. I own two different versions of Persuasion on DVD. Um, one is the old BBC version, which is a miniseries, which is it was made in the 70s, so the quality is eh, but I honestly really like the story of Persuasion, and it's always been a very, like, I don't know what it is about Persuasion, but it's always been really near and dear to my heart. The whole, I misjudged you when we were younger, and we grew separately as different people, and then turns out we're an even better match for each other, but we, you know, you have to forgive each other, and you both acted selfishly, and it's a very lovely story about not judging people by material things or by circumstances and just, you know, if someone's a good person, loving them for that person, but also not being an asshole. So anyways, it's great. I love it. But the version I like has Sally Hawkins from The Shape of Water in it, and it's really great. Also, Anthony Head, who plays Giles and Buffy, plays the dad. Um, and Rupert Penry Jones, who's very attractive, plays and Elliot's love I'm blanking out his name but anyways so I watched the new one Dakota Johnson is Anne I here's the thing with it I didn't hate it it was actually very enjoyable I gave I laughed a lot there was a lot of humor in it whereas the other versions a lot more dreary and serious the thing with this is did you see the new Emma that came out Mm -mm. like last Mm -mm. year the new Emma is very funny and almost breaking the fourth wall a lot but it's it's very funny and it's very overtly funny and it's very brightly colored and it's like this like tried to do that but didn't fully commit so like she narrates and like all of a sudden Anne Elliot has a drinking problem because she's depressed which is not in the book that I remember um but it's been years since I read the book so maybe I'm wrong but it's not in any adaptations I mean and it's very like I wish they would almost have just made it a modern story and not set it in Jane Austen time period because of the way Anne acts. It's funny, yeah. but I'm just like, doesn't make sense for the time period. And like, it's just like not very appropriate for the time period. However, it was funny and I laughed and it was, a, it was, it moved very quickly. So I think it's actually pretty good, but. Definitely not as true to the original. So I watched that. That's a lot of Jane Austen. I know this is a horror podcast, but I really, that's my other thing. I did watch a couple of trailers though. And uh, one of those was Pearl. Yeah. Very excited about Pearl. Mm -hmm. Uh, It looks fun and gross and twisted. So I'm very excited. I love the way it's shot. Yes. Like you can tell it's that Technicolor Mm -hmm. look is so pretty. It's very, yeah, it's very Technicolor. It's very fun but it's obviously taking place on the same farm which i think is hilarious you know i can't hear worth a shit so the gator has a name what's her name oh i didn't hear yeah because she calls out to the gator like it's a name but it's not close captioned and i can't hear what she i didn't even her. hear it so mm-hmm. i don't know what's the gator guys i'll watch it again and see but i'm excited about that have you watched the monsters trailer I have. I have. And it's really funny because I posted something about it on my stories. And our friend Jake was. Oh, because I have opinions. Yeah, and our friend Jake, like, was like, I'm actually kind of, hi, Jake. Um, Jake was like, I'm hi, actually Jake. kind of excited about it. But he's like, I'm used to watching these Bihar films. And 
I was like, you know, but it's coming straight to Netflix. So no harm, no foul. Yes. Like- okay. So I was worried about the casting from day one because Sherry Moon does not, to me, exemplify Mar- what is it Marilyn? Uh, Marilyn. I thought Marilyn was niece. Yes. Now, why am I yeah. blanking on her name? Mrs. Munster. Lily. Lillian. Lily. It's Lily. Yeah. It's Lily. That's what it is. Thank you. Lily Munster. Yeah, you're welcome. Mar- Marion or Marilyn is the niece. Lily. She didn't really... But she's not the problem for me. She does look like her. Oh, she. I like all the costuming. I like that yeah. they, they painted Herman like bright green and Grandpa's like blue and she's more of a purple. I like all of that. When they're in natural lighting, I like how all those looks look. But they have this cheap, like, LED purple and green lighting all over the place. And it looks really bad. Like, it looks bad. It looks cheaper yeah. than the original television series looks like. Which disappoints me because when I first saw the pictures of them building Mockingburn Lane, which is the street the monsters live on, it looked awesome. It looked just like it. And I was so excited. But it looks super cheap. It looks like a Hammer Horror or like a... Ed Wood movie level, yeah. which I was like, ooh, it's me. Like, one of my coworkers, we were talking about it, too, because he wasn't very impressed with the trailer. And he's like, but, you know, I keep waiting for, like, them to, like, sacrifice Marilyn or something. I was like, no, this is PG. This is a PG movie. Which so is what the monster not... should be. Yeah. But also, Herman does not sound like Herman. Grandpa sounds yeah. like Grandpa. Lily's voice is not exactly lily but it passes but herman has like a high-pitched voice and i don't like that because i love the way uh, fred gwynn sounded and that's yeah. just it's so i watched the monsters a lot as a kid i don't i yeah. loved that show and i loved adam stanley too obviously but and they had the new adam stanley when we were kids as well yeah i think it's gonna be like a double feature they're re- releasing wednesday at the same time Which, I think. wednesday's hopefully wednesday has a bigger budget but i just like it looks cheap the sound is off like, there's, like, they, it's like they haven't finished the sound. Like, the whole trailer is a hot mess. By the way, Red Letter Media goes through this. Because the reason, I I avoided the trailer at first. Because I didn't want to be judgmental. And then they said something about it. And I watched their little thing. I was like, I have to watch this for myself. It can't be that bad. And it is. But the thing I have a problem with is Herman's voice is just does not fit Herman Munster. He does not really act like Herman Munster. And everyone else is very accurate. Grandpa sounds perfect and yeah perfect. i was thinking that the grandpa yeah and i know it's a guy who's been in most of his movies and i know that he likes to cast his friends but like yeah it's the guy who's whitey yes in, uh, Lords of Salem. i yeah. think he's a he's a good performer but i don't think he's a good herman munster yeah because he doesn't have the voice I don't, know. I don't know it remains to be seen like i'll be honest i wasn't very impressed by the trailer but i will say the movie we're doing this week i was impressed by the trailer and i actually really like the movie we're yeah. doing this week. i mean it might be i just it looks cheaper than I thought it was going to be. And I know yeah. that I'm not Rob Zombie's biggest fan, but I do like him. And I like that he has a respect for this. I just don't like it looking like an Ed Wood movie. And also, the kids aren't in the movie. And I know they're doing this whole, like, yeah. how Herman and Lily Prequel. met. But I yeah. love the dynamic of Marilyn. Or Marion. I can't remember if it's Marion or Marilyn. But the niece. Now I'm like, we have to look it up. Yeah. How she thinks she's, because she's a conventionally attractive young lady but her family are the monsters, and she thinks she's ugly because she doesn't look like them. Because that, and and she has a hard every time she brings like a friend over or a boy over to meet her family, they get scared and run away. 
And she thinks it's because yeah, she's it ugly. Is Marilyn. Marilyn. I was like, I, I'm like, I was. Like I thought it was too because it was like a Marilyn yeah. Monroe play because she's like, she looks yeah. very Norma Jean. But thank you for checking. So yeah. like, I love that dynamic because not only is it funny, but also like it's a whole message about don't judge a book by its cover. And like, yeah. and the monsters accept Marilyn even though they think she's ugly. <laughs> They're like, but we love her because she's our niece, and it's funny. And I'm, I am like, well, I'm gonna miss. I love that dynamic, and I love that, like Eddie. I mean, not Eddie. Yeah, Eddie Munster is always like bearing bones in the backyard, and he's like an eight year old. Like it's freaking hilarious. I just think it's funny that Frankenstein's monster and a vampire may have a werewolf. That's like, the, yeah, yeah. That's the thing I always think about. Does not make sense, but does not compute. But maybe he's adopted. Yeah. Oh, maybe. But anyways, is there anything you watch that? I, did, I know one thing you watched that I haven't watched yet. Yeah, uh, so basically, uh, I guess the first thing I watched, which I didn't watch as much this time around as I did the last two weeks ago, but I have read a really, really interesting article about, basically, there's a very hot debate right now of people talking they want to create octopus farms because they want to harvest octopus meat. And the big thing... There's an argument that they're very smart animals and mm-hmm. they're just like, they're very smart for one. And then two, they don't really, the only time they're ever around each other is when they mate. And other than yeah. that, they're very solitary creatures. So there's no humane way to really have octopus farms. Right. And they credited uh, my octopus teacher as being like a big key factor. Which, in, like, I haven't gotten to watch it, but I heard it's good. It's so good. So I did watch that and it's uh, it won the Academy Award for Best Documentary. Mm-hmm. It's streaming on Netflix. It's only like an hour and 24 minutes. It's really interesting, um, and I was talking to one of our friends whose wife is a marine biologist, and I said it's really interesting because the first time I see this octopus, it kind of looked like a little alien creature, and the, throughout the movie, it started getting cuter and cuter to me, like, the more I saw its personality come out. And it is a little traumatic. It's, it's you're watching nature, so there are a few traumatic things that happen in that documentary, but it is very brilliant, and I really liked it, and it did definitely give me more of appreciation for mm-hmm. octopuses it's also kind of edged me a little bit closer to vegetarianism which is something i've been trying to do and i've been taking baby steps but now i'm even more like okay i need to get my ass on this which is just a personal goal of mine i'm yeah. not pushing on anyone else but it's something that i've always wanted to do i've done a lot of vegetarian meals Mm-hmm. And, like, try to do less meat. But I will go on and say I did see Nope in the theaters, which, I mean, we we love Jordan Peele. We're big Jordan Peele stands here. So, um, yeah, so I don't want to give too much away because hopefully Katie's going to see Nope very, very soon. And uh, it is very different from Get Out and Us. I liked it. Taylor really liked it. To me, it's not as scary. I jumped one time during the entire movie. And I'm usually, I'm usually a bit of a wuss. I tend to jump a lot. But the one time I did jump, I did vocally scream. So oh God. there is... Is that but it's very cinematic i i cannot claim to say this because i saw it in a twitter like a tweet but someone tweeted it's more steven spielberg than jordan pill i would agree with that right. it's a good movie i liked it it's a popcorn movie but if you guys are going to see it just because you're expecting another get out and us you will be disappointed because it's not really like get out or us there is some social commentary incidentally and i won't spoil it a lot but it's a little bit about animals so if you guys like finding out what social commentary is yourself in movies I won't spoil it, but I was like, oh, I see what's going on here. Mm. You guys see it when Katie sees it. We'll talk about it more on the podcast. Maybe this is a movie we'll end up doing. So I'll just cut myself off there. But yeah, go see it. <laughs> talk to us about it. And then 
Uh, my last two little things. So, um, American Horror Stories did premiere. American Horror Stories yes, season two I haven't premiered. Gotten to watch it yet. So I caught on really quickly that it was tying in with a season of American Horror Story. I thought it was a good episode. It was a good opening episode for this series. So I was impressed with that. And then we are also watching Resident Evil on Netflix. I've been nervous about it's, that. If you are looking for a carbon copy of the video games, you will be very disappointed. Uh. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I do think. Think it's fun. Is it better than fun. the movies? Oh well, am I? I've only seen like the first two movies, and I was incredibly disappointed. So yeah, I oh, think okay. in my opinion. Oh I yeah, the movies aren't good. Better. Yeah, it's better. It's not. I, poor Resident Evil, though. Honestly, only the animated movies are the really good things because even I hadn't seen Welcome to Raccoon City, but me and my brother. It's Love streaming on, like, stars, yeah. I think. Yeah. And so I might actually sit down. I just didn't want to pay and go see it in theaters. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, me and my brother, like, have been playing. We played the original one on PlayStation. Like, he oh, was yeah. seven. I was, like, six. And when the dogs jumped through, like, we both screamed because oh, like and always. that's like my early that's like my earliest memory of like playing the games and he always was Chris and then when part two came out I was always Claire so yeah. Chris and Claire Redfield are kind of our thing I always played Claire I love her but I I guess we should go on and get yes, to our movie we so. so yeah so we're doing summer of 84 we are we are which is of course streaming on Shutter and um, Showtime like, and Showtime yes I keep forgetting it's on Showtime too you need to get Showtime because all the A24 movies are on Showtime oh uh, Oh, That's yeah. where they re- Lamb is on there. They all release onto there. That's what it is. And like we said in our intro, it is directed by three directors. So it's RKSS, which stands for Row Kill Superstars. It's a sibling team, but it's also the husband of one of the siblings, which is really cool. And I was reading all kinds of interviews, and so they lived together for 15 years, and they Mm -hmm. worked together for like 10 years. And I don't know if you came across this in your uh, interviews as well, Katie, and I'm so sorry, I'm trying to remember. So we all deal with different things. So Mm -hmm. it's Johan Carl deals with the actors, is what he says, and then he's like, Francois will be with the camera, and Anouk is with all the heads of the department. So, because I was thinking that because we talked about college night shows when we were in college, and having multiple directors can make something convoluted but they're all over a certain department so they they work seamlessly together which i thought was really cool yeah i know the the brother does the actors Mm -hmm. the husband does the camera and the wife does the the wife slash sister (laughs) wife to one sister the other does the other stuff and also the husband and wife of the trio met while they were studying animation. So yeah. they storyboard everything and that's their plan. They also released a movie a few years before called Turbo Kid, which I yeah. have not, I've watched parts of Turbo Kid, I haven't watched all of it, but in the indie film industry, it was very, very popular and it's like a post-apocalyptic movie. Kind of, it honestly reminds me of the feel of P.G. Gorp. Psycho Gorman? Yeah. Also just PG Gorman. And it was a Sundance movie too. Yeah, and it was a Sundance one. Sundance. Yeah. yeah. And so they actually, I thought this was kind of cool. So they originally, you guys know the anthology film, The ABCs of Death. So they held a competition for unknown directors to create a short for the letter T. And so they submitted T is for Turbo, which of course became Turbo Kid. Mm-hmm. So it started as a short film. And they, Turbo Kid's your directorial debut. And before that, they did quite a few short films. Yeah. But it's, it's cool. It's an interesting, we've had a couple, because uh, the, the um, Wolf House had two directors, mm-hmm. but it was kind of because it was it's a stop motion animation. It was kind of like co artists slash co directors, and then The Lodge also had a directing team. Yeah, but it is weird because like it's not weird; it's unique because most directors tend oh. to be solo ventures. 
fucking um, Blow the Man Down was a two-girl team. Thank you. I was like, I know I'm missing one of them, at least. And there might be another one that we're forgetting. But um, writing tends to be a multi-person thing. But directing very often is like one person, a singular vision. And I get why that happens. But sometimes, like, you gotta have another vision. But I think, I can't speak for Turbo Kid, but I think it works really well with this movie. And I think it's really interesting. So we talked about this in um, the opening as well. So, you know, Turbo Kid became popular. They were signed on to the agency. And so they were approached by Matt Leslie, who pitched him the idea for Summer of 84. And then co-writer Stephen J. Smith convinced him to sign on once they read the film's ending. Which, mm-hmm. when we get to the film's ending, you'll understand it's yeah. a it's a doozy. So, it at first, it was like they were nervous because there was a lot of similar- similarities to this in Stranger Things. Which is really funny because there's not. Other than being set in the 80s and having yeah. a tough score. And then nostalgia. Really like, it's just yeah. nostalgia. That's all it is. But this did go on to premiere at the 2015 Sundance Film Festival. It got pretty good reviews. People said it's one of the better horror movies that came out this year of 2018. So now they're working on writing a sequel to Turbo Kid. And they're also adapting two comic books, which I think is interesting. So they're still working on projects, but I think mm-hmm. they're one of those. They're that type of directing team. They kind of work for on one thing for like two or three years at a time, it seems. Yeah, I hope we see more of them because I think they did a really good job. Also, the two writers are a writing team, Matt Leslie and Stephen J. Smith. Matt Leslie, they're they're both working on a movie called The Knocking where they're directing yep. and writing it together. But also Matt Leslie was part of the crew for the movie Straight Outta Compton, which is a great movie and y'all should watch it. Yeah, it's so Matt is usually assistant to film producer Matt Alvarez. And so, yeah, he's been on Straight Outta Compton, Ride Along 2, Beyond the Lights. And I thought it was interesting, like you mentioned, they're doing The Knocking. And when you look at The Knockings, I am... BD page, the first name it lists is, is Christine Coe and then Doug Jones. So Doug Jones is going to be in the love knocking. Me, love you, love me, Doug Jones. Love you, Doug Jones. Love Yeah, Doug Jones. so I was like, okay, so is Doug Jones actually, it's like, is he going to be some kind of creature? And if so, what kind of creature? So that's the kind of things that has me really curious. So I guess what we'll do then, we'll, uh, we'll do the synopsis and then we'll take a quick run through the plot and then we'll, we'll talk about our feelings. And then we'll be spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah, there will be spoilers. Right around the corner, y'all. Yeah, so I will go ahead and give my synopsis. Again, we are covering Summer of 84 is streaming on Shudder and Showtime. And so, um, in a suburban neighborhood in the summer of 84, 15-year-old Davey thinks that his neighbor, nice and unassuming Officer Mackey, is actually a killer. With the help of his friends, he sets out to figure if his hunch is a teenage daydream or something much more sinister. Da-da-da. I love the opening line to this, too, because it's- Oh, yes. Even serial killers live next door to someone. I'm like, yep. Yep. That is true. It's very, very true. And, you know, really creepy when you think about it, because they even brought this up in interviews. They're like, you know, it's always like the John Wayne Gacy's who literally would dress up as a clown and go visit children. Or, you know, like there's serial killers that had families. Yeah. Just didn't Although know. they mentioned in the interview, they're like, Ted Bundy had a family. And in, yeah, you're like, no. the true crime person yeah. in me says, uh, no, his girlfriend way. had a family that he did hang out with a lot. But he didn't actually. You're thinking of BTK and the yeah. Green River Killers. Yeah. They oh no, I read that. Said, I read that same interview when they were like Ted Bundy had a wife and daughter. I'm like, no, he didn't. His, his girlfriend. His, his girlfriend a had a little girl. But yeah. 
Watch the document. Watch the movie with Zac Efron. You'll get it. Yes, yes. So, but you know what? It is very easy if you read a lot about serial killers to sometimes switch up details yes. in your head. So I but will give them that. BTK did have a family. The Golden State Killer also had a family, which well, we're in spoilers. This movie's killer has a lot of commonality with the Golden State Killer, which I don't think he was caught yet, ironically, when this movie yeah. was made. So I can't remember what year he was caught. I can't remember if it was 2018 or 2019, but I found that interesting. There's a lot of similarities to those cases, though. Yeah, you can definitely tell they did a lot of research on true crime, which yes. I think is really interesting. But yeah, so we are in Ipswich, Oregon in June of 1984. Is it Ipswich? I'm going to take a Well, and they call it Cape May, Oregon, because I think yeah. it's the area is yeah. Cape May, but there's this specific town is... I wrote Cape May because everything was called like the Cape yeah. May Festival... So it's the area, but there's a lot of smaller towns in it. And yeah, and so the opening tile car says IPSWICH Oregon, June 1984, because that was my header that I, I wrote down. So it's like, I guess the city or the city or county is Ipswich and in the Cape mm-hmm. May area is what they constantly call the Cape May killer. Yeah. So we meet Davy, and Davy is played by... Davy is played by Graham Vercher, I'm going to say is his last name, B-E-R-C-H-E-R-E. So he was most recently in an episode of Under the Banner of Heaven, which I was like, huh, just watched that, yeah. loved it. The He's also plays... Uh, a character on The Good Doctor. Young it's like Sean. young Sean. So I assume he isn't Sean the main character. He is, yeah. So, Freddie Freddy uh, Highmore. He was also on the TV show Supergirl. And the, I think this is a TV movie, Stargirl, which is based on the, I can't remember the first name, but Spinelli is the last name of the author that wrote Stargirl, I believe. Jerry Spinelli. I knew the last name was Spinelli because uh, I own that book, but I honestly can't remember <laughs> I remember how it began. I don't remember. It was, it was like, it's like a manic pixie dream girl book before that was a bit like children. Yeah. Like Stargirl is the manic pixie dream girl. But Davey's on his paper route. And of course he's talking about secrecy in the suburbs. And as he puts a neighbor, as he puts a neighbor, as he puts a paper into his neighbor, Mr. Mackey's mailbox, he notices the headline, which is like Freeport boy still missing. Mm -hmm. And so Mr. Mackey makes his appearance and Mr. Mackey, Mr. Mackey or officer Mackey um, is played by Rich Summer, who I was like, who is that? Who is that? It's that jerk Alex from when Pam went to New York on the office. If if you know, if you know, if you know, you know, Alex, we're watching you. Anyways, I knew he was sneaky, no good, but he was also on Mad Men. He also was more recently in that television show on Netflix, Wet Hot American Summer, First Day of Camp, which I still have not watched. He also is currently, or I don't know if the show's still on, but the show In the Dark which my parents are really into. He's on that show as well. And I loved this. One of his credits was a taped performance of Sam Shepard's Buried Child, which is one of yeah. m- both of our w- both of our one of our favorite plays, which had Tysa Formiga and Ed Harris in it, which yeah. is on Broadway HD, which I have a subscription to that. So I feel like I will be watching that because I it's a very fucked up play, but yeah. I love it so much. He played Bradley, the middle brother, which I oh, think is really no. interesting. Yeah, he played Bradley. Ah. But he also <laughs> so that's the thing is like I guess he's I I will admit Mad Men is on my watch list, but he played a character Harry Crane that was in ninety two episodes. So I was like, damn, like he was yeah, like a he's yeah. in a good bit of it. I do like this casting, though, because he does look like such a nice guy. 
Yeah. Like, he has, like, the big bright eyes. He just looks really friendly and sweet. And he's, like, he's got a dad bod, you know? Yeah. And he's, like, you know, so you're, like, oh, he seems harmless. He does. So you're, like, yeah. So Mr. Mackey comes up and he's covered Covered in dirt. dirt. Yeah. And Davey reminds him, he's, like, hey, you haven't paid for the paper this month. So he invites him inside. And Davey is, like, well, you got a lot of family because there's pictures all over the wall. And he's, like, yeah, I wish some more of them lived closer. And he helps him with some furniture downstairs. And that's when Davey notices, hey, Very, very heavy trunk. Yeah, a very heavy piece of furniture, very heavy trunk. Mm-hmm. And so Davy notices downstairs there's a room with a locked door, which he's like, okay, that's a little weird. And he notices that Mackie has a dark room, and he's like, yeah, I'm an amateur photographer. And Davy's like, oh, well, cool, I'm an amateur videographer. Because mm-hmm. his dad's a videographer for the news. So it's like, all makes sense. You know, just like a very inner- innocent interaction. He's known Mr. Mackie his whole life. He's his next-door neighbor. Mm-hmm. So that night, him and his buddies are playing Manhunt. And we meet Faraday. Faraday is the first friend we meet. Yes, Faraday is played by Corey Gruter Andrew. Used to be Gruter with an umlaut, which is the German spelling. No, it's not with an umlaut, but I assume you do pronounce it Gruter, like it has an umlaut. That's the little dots on top of the vowels. He plays, uh, he is in Am with an E, mm-hmm. the man of the high castle, and he was a small part in Okja. Oh, yeah. Which I, his face looked familiar, so maybe that's where I saw him from. But I've also watched a good bit of the man of the high castle, too. So, my mom loves Anne with an E, and I love Anne of Green Gables, but I haven't actually sat down and watched Anne with an E. But, so, yeah, so we meet Faraday, and so, you know, he chides Davy about being his spot, but he runs away, and Davy notices, because he's right near Mackie's window, he sees Mr. Mackie with a young boy. Mm-hmm. But before he can get, like, a better look, he's scared by his other friends, Woody and Eats. Yes, and Woody is probably his closest friend. Woody's like kind of like a bigger kid and his mom works a lot so he's often on his own he's played by caleb emery hunters oh wait sorry caleb emery sorry dash who most recently i saw him in hunters the show where he plays one of jonah's best friends and i feel like his name is like booty hole i think that's his nickname yes i did see that by the way i think i've talked about hunters hunters is a great show you should totally watch it good girls he's on good girls he was in that movie little and he was also on the mockumentary american vandal and he's he has a very familiar looking face because he's played a lot of like like small roles when he was a kid and then there's tommy eats eaton who is played by judah lewis who is i think the Baby Satie in The Babysitter and The Babysitter yep. Killer Queen. Yes, and he is. also was in that Helen Hunt movie that has been on our list, but I haven't actually sat down and watched it called I See You. And his parents, this character's parents, are like constantly fighting, and so he's the kid that like acts out because his home life sucks. And and uh, Faraday is like the nerd. Like he's like smart. I wouldn't say nerd so much as like a, the smart kid. Like he's like, I study at the library. It's very Stand By Me. Yeah, very, that's a sad Very stand-by-me. Like, oh, and I was just going to say for my mom's sake, because she loves this movie, uh, Judah was also in The Christmas Chronicles and The Christmas Chronicles Part <gasps> he 2. did do a lot of Christmas movies, I saw that. Yeah. I haven't watched I, The Christmas Chronicles. Well, though. that's the one with Kurt Russell and uh, freaking... Fuck, what's Kurt? Oh, Goldie when he Hawn. Santa yeah. Claus? 
Uh, uh, so yeah, Kurt Russell, Santa Claus in those movies. So okay. yeah, but yeah, so they're very. It's a foursome. They're very much like Stand by Me, like the traditional like yes. kids movies of those times. They're best buddies. Um, and they go to their treehouse hangout, and the boys talk about girls, because of course they do. And Davey particularly talks about his crush, Nikki. Yes, Nikki, who was... Okay, so here's the thing. I'm going to give an explanation. So Nikki is played by Tira, or Tara? Tira? Scofby? Scoby? Scoffby? I don't know how to say her last name. Yeah. It's S-K-O-V-B-Y-E. But I recognize her because she plays Polly Cooper on Riverdale. Which That's I'm why I recognize her from, too. Way yeah. behind on Riverdale, but she was in the first few seasons. She's all, well, also was on the TV show Nurses, Dirty John, and Once Upon a Time, uh, which I watched some of that, but I don't remember her being on it. But I think she was fairly young when she was on it, so that might be why. So in the movie, all these boys are 15, which I think is a perfect age for them because, like, it makes sense they're talking about girls in a sexual way because you know they're teenagers but they're also too young to be like actively dating people like in general especially in the 80s not that you can't date at 15 but most people don't seriously date until they're like 16 or 17 but nikki is like 18 yeah I think. that's how i was thinking to college but yeah. the only weird thing i have about this movie is that the kids were actually 15 but she was 22 when they were filming this so, so I did the math, and so some of it is kind of I, I I'm wondering how they approached that honestly, because there's some stuff yeah. in here that I was like, oh, but as the characters, it makes it's okay because like she's 18 and he's 15. Acting wise, there's some stuff that I was like, ooh. I wonder, I wonder though if that was like one of their jobs was that they took care of the actors and they heard their concerns out about stuff like that. I hope so. Yeah, I, I hope so. I feel like, so if you're doing like an indie film and usually there's something unsafe or troublesome, usually once you do a search on a movie like that, that's the first thing that redlines. It's like, you yeah. know, an interview where an actor feels uncomfortable. And I did not come across something like that. So we're going to knock on wood and say that the actors felt safe. I would say safe, yeah. probably so. And I think Turbo Kid, a lot of the actors were younger, too. So, yeah. I don't know. There was only really one part where I was like, oh. Yeah, I think I know once I part you're found out her, her, what her age actually was, I was like, okay. But in the movie, it doesn't seem that creepy. So, sorry, just if y'all were wondering. Yeah. I don't, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just saying that did come up kind of weird for me. So, um, Davey is really into Nikki. All the boys like Nikki, though, and they make really gross jokes. But uh, it's pretty, like, appropriate for, not appropriate, but, like, it's fitting for, you know, that time period and that age of boys who are usually, no offense to boys, insufferable. Girls are insufferable, too. Everyone's insufferable. Everybody is. So, they're in their little treehouse hangout, and Eats mentioned how his father wants to tear the treehouse down. And yeah. Woody talks about, he's like, no, man, I want to live in the treehouse, because as we find out, Woody uh, has a single mom who's, like, working herself to the bones, and... You know, it looks I don't like think... struggling with depression, probably. Yeah. And so, you know, and Woody loves his mom, but obviously he doesn't always want to be in his home in that situation. Yeah. But Davey obviously is like, well, it's not safe with the kids going missing. And they're like, oh shit, Davey being the conspiracy theorist again. Apparently he is. Yeah. That's who he is in the friend group, is the conspiracy theorist. 
Yeah, apparently. And oh, no. it's but we kind of believe it cuz next scene we see he has like National Enquirer type magazine covers all over his walls. Yes, I was like, "Jeez, but his dad works for the news, so you can kind of understand he probably is around it a lot and he has an imagination." Also, I love that like Eats is like talking up like he's like, "I rounded third base, y'all." And like, "Did you?" I don't yeah. think you did, honey. Because they're like, okay. with a girl, none of us know. And he's like, it was on vacation. So, yeah. like, you know, it's like, he could, but he could not. Like, we don't really know. But uh, the next day, it's like, you know, Davy's cleaning up the trash because those damn raccoons. And- yeah. And we did, We should probably mention Davy's parents. Yeah. His mom tucks him in. Uh, Sheila, played by Shauna Johansson, or Johannesson, who was in the Babysitter's Club 2020, not the original. Uh, she also was on When Calls the Heart and mm-hmm. lots of TV shows, but a movie that I bought so I could watch it when it came out, Grumpy Cat's Worst Christmas Ever. Oh, yeah. Starring Rest in Peace, the beloved tartar sauce. Tartar sauce. She was a good one. And Aubrey Plaza as her voice, because I was absolutely obsessed with Grumpy Cat until her untimely passing. Yes. God bless I- you. I like Little Bub is probably my favorite, but Grumpy's good Lil too. Little Bub also passed away. They both I passed know, away. Lil they, it's Bub. okay. They're flying high together. And his dad is played by, uh, whose dad's name is Randall, and he's played by Jason Gray Sanford, which if you watched this TV show Monk, you know exactly who that was. It's Randy Disher, Lieutenant Randy Disher, um, who's very funny on Monk. And I was very happy to see him in another TV sh- like movie. I was like, oh, yay, it's Randy. He's, he's like the bumbling Lieutenant on Monk. He also was on the TV shows Republic of Doyle and Mistresses and he was on an episode of The Boys too. Yeah, he was and I know exactly what, he was a very, very minor character but I knew exactly who he was when I saw him. I thought it was interesting too because he also did a lot of like dubbing work for anime Mm -hmm. like early on in his career so at one point he was dubbing uh, Yusaku Godai and Mason Idioku which is Rumiko Takahashi who did Rama One Half and Yuyasha. It was her work that predated it so I was like, oh my god, he was on Mason Idioku so, um, but that was cool. So he has like all these like animes in his, so he's a voice actor (laughs) too i didn't know Um, that about him that's yeah but yeah his dad works late a lot because of that so he's also kind of overworked and his mom also is gone a lot too so it's very much latchkey kids like very 80s early 90s like that was kind of the norm for a lot of kids getting home. And I guess now probably too, like you get home and your parents aren't there. Um, we got left at after school care until our parents, but we didn't live near our school because we went to a school across town. So we couldn't really walk home. But they end up, I think it's really cute. This is like a one-off scene. They go to the bowling alley and Nikki's a DJ yeah. there. And then it's like their little, their little, like little DJ girl. And then they go... And they're eating their little family TV dinners with their little TV trays. And they're talking because the parents are kind of talking about there's a rumor that Nikki's parents are getting divorced. And so he's staring at Nikki's house, which is something he very commonly does because she's the girl across the street. And the phone rings and Davey answers it. And he's eavesdropping and it's one of his father's colleagues. And Mm -hmm. he's like, hey, we got a letter from this guy who claims to be the Cape May Slayer. 
and he's claimed to kill 13 boys in the last decade. Mm-hmm. And so Davy calls his friends and goes downstairs and there's a news report on and they're like, yeah, you know, this man's claiming to be the Cape Bay Slayer, Cape May Slayer, and he we expect he's a white man in his 40s. And so, you know, he's kind of see the wheels turning yeah. in Davy's head. And he's excited because he's like, oh my God, it's so exciting. There's a serial killer on the loose. And you're like, yeah, I guess that's how 15 year olds really do things. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's very standby me. He's like, let's solve the mystery guys he's ecstatic yeah but they end up spying on nikki changing but she only catches davy yep looking at her because <laughs> everyone else ducks um and then they go to the library and faraday is like guys stop missing around i study but they research the news articles and they see all the missing children and it's like boys between 12 and 16 and two adults yeah that were parents to one of the children is what they're claiming. And then they go out and play Manhunt again. Mm-hmm. And they note that their friend Sammy hasn't been seen in, like, days. And they're very suspicious because the parent's car is still in the driveway. And they're like, that's weird. That's suspicious. And then Davey's having one of those nights. He's by himself. He's making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Fixing a good old-fashioned glass of milk. Yeah. And then he sees the kid from Mackie's house on the milk carton. Yes. Whose yeah. name is Dusty. And he's absolutely convinced that Mackie is the serial killer. So they start talking about him and there's a lot of suspicious activity. He buys tons of dirt every week at the hardware store. He has a padlock room in the basement and he fits the description. So they begin Operation Mac Attack, which I love that name. Yes. And yeah, and this is what I, even the first time watching this movie, me and Taylor are like, what the fuck? Because they, they... Realize he follows a very strict routine, including yes. a jogging at 11 p.m. 11 p.m. jog. Yeah, we're like, what? Who jogs at 11 p.m.? Especially Nobody when he gets does. up at like 6 a.m. Like, he gets yes. up, yeah. But he eats dinner first. I'm yeah, like, 8.30. That's, that's really late at 8.30 at night. Like, Makes no sense. Exactly. And they're like, they decide to go for his trash can because they're like, well, he'll just think it's the raccoons. Because so. <laughs> well, the raccoons keep like knocking over everyone's trash in the in the neighborhood they go through the trash they don't find anything but they do steal his pornographic magazines and then woody asks davy if he can stay over at his house since his mom's working late but then when he tries to leave his mom is like having a really rough time so he ends up like staying at home and like it's really sweet he like tucks her in on the couch and then she's like you're so good and he's like i love you mom I was like that's it is really sweet and it's the first time so eats constantly like makes jokes about woody's mom like he's like yeah i'm gonna give woody a sibling and stuff like that but then yeah. you see his mom and she's like a very young pretty mom yeah so you're like oh there's actually like he's not just doing the typical dude talking about your mom jokes. also like, she's <laughs> like in a nurse's uniform and yeah like because my mom's a nurse, I always, like, I'm like, nurses are the hardest working people in the fucking, other than teachers, nurses and teachers are, like, the hardest working fucking people in the world. And if your parent is a nurse, you understand that. And their job is taking care of people all the time. And so, like, when you get home from that job, and then, like, it's very stressful to, like, go home and take care of your own family. And I can only imagine doing that and being a single parent. Yeah. Like, she seems to be under a lot of stress. So yeah. you feel really bad for her. She's just trying to do her best. So Davey hears a knock at the door, thinks it's Woody. He goes to the door. It's actually Nikki, which is kind of weird, but okay. And Nikki is, like, like makes a joke about, like, he she go, walks up to his room because his parents are out. And he's she's like, oh, you really do have a good view of my room. And he's like, I've never seen you naked. And she's like, too bad. I have a really good body. And you're like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, but we again, thought this was three years apart. 
we thought this was a dream sequence at first. We're like, did he fall asleep on the couch? Like, you know. I mean, I knew people who were 15 that dated seniors in high school. But even I thought that was kind of weird. But anyways, it's still very innocent. She's, But that was like, I was like, oh, okay. She also notes that she's the one that gave him his first journal. And now he's writes in his journal all the time. And he's like, oh, well, we're old. I'm old enough to hang out with you now. But then his parents come home and she sneaks out the window. Yeah. And in another neighborhood, another kid is attacked and kidnapped. We don't see by who. Yeah. We just see he leaves his friend's house and he's abducted. Yeah. But the next day, the boys follow Mr. Mackey and Woody's mom's car, which Woody's driving. Which they're 15, so that makes sense. Again, a good age because, like, you are you have a learner's permit at least. So, like, it makes sense that he could drive but probably shouldn't be yeah because it's like when you have your permit you're supposed to have like an adult in the car and they're all a bunch of 15 year olds but and you can tell poor woody's like freaking out about it too Mm -hmm. but he's probably the only one who has his learner's permit yet and they're because he probably turned 15 first and they're all like you gotta drive he's like oh guys oh my god exactly it's like you you know and also he's the only one with a single mom so everyone else's parents may be hanging around somewhere but he's like hey why did you come over but hey Nikki came over but before he can go and divulge more Nikki details they see Mr. Mackey exits the store and he does have a lot of dirt and so they try to follow him and cement and and a pickass axe a pickass yeah a pickaxe. A pickaxe. <laughs> pickaxe. Pickaxe. Yes, a pickaxe. And so they're like, oh, fuck, <laughs> Mr. Mackey. They li- no, they don't say that like that. That's me being dramatic. But they do follow him, and they almost hit a stall car, which freaks poor Woody out even more. And then they're pulled over by Officer Cole. Who's very nice. And very he's nice. Like, he's like, hey, boys. I, he knows this when he's like, I-, I can't give you a ticket because I have to face your mom in church. But he's also like... But they're thinking of canceling the Big Town Festival because another boy went missing. You guys need to go home and get safe. Which is really good advice, Officer Cole. Thank you very much. Yeah. But Davy notes that Mackie switched cars. Yeah. And the dirt must be satched somewhere else because all of a sudden he's not in the same car when they get back to their houses. Later, Nikki and Davy meet up again, which reminded me vaguely of Tatan because they're like by the waterfront. Of that oh, scene, yeah. and I was like, someone have a nipple ring? It's gonna, it gonna get um, really creepy, but luckily they don't do it. I'm really glad they don't do anything sexual, because yeah. I always get uncomfortable in movies when it's, like, teenagers. I'm like, I don't need to see teenagers, like, making out. Like, I'm okay. So they they keep it very PG. And, yeah. But she confides in her, him and, like, says, yeah, my parents apparently just don't love each other anymore, and they're getting divorced, and I want to leave, but you're the only, like, good thing about this town that I like. And he says, well, I think Mr. Mackey's a serial killer, and I've been <laughs> spying on him. Yeah. And she's like, holy shit, Dave, you don't do that. He's a fucking cop. Which ironically is like pointing out a really important part of our society that people in positions of power can get away with shit because yeah. it's like well i mean he's still a human being so he true should be held up to the same strictures as everyone else true but she also mentions that he's her dad's fishing buddy so it's yeah. like she also has like a pre-assisting idea of who he right. is and how he acts which is weird because then like the next shot we see of mr Mackey is him oh sitting on his front porch just watching these children play baseball in the street and he offers them frozen treats freezy pops you guys want some freezy pops and they're like of course i'm like what if they're drugged drugs are they drugs i will say it does do a good job of making him seem like ominous but then he calls out that freezy pop like who wants some freezy pops and then he seems really sweet so it does do a very good idea of like 
Well, like, well, we're seeing so much of the movie for Davy's eyes, which is why we we slowly don't begin to trust him. But then you can also see where there's that whole like yes. pull and tug of. But look, yes. he's being nice. He's a nice guy. Yeah. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's an okay. Yeah. But they do decide that that night they get drunk. It looked like tequila, but it could have been whiskey. Uh, yeah. Faraday surprisingly steals liquor and they drink a little bit and they discuss Davy and Nikki's relationship. He's like, we just have a special connection, guys. And they use their liquid courage to break into Sammy's now unlocked house. Because it was locked before because they went and checked on the house and it was locked. But the car was in the driveway. Yeah. And then Nikki scares the shit out of them. And they're like, what the hell are you doing here? She's like, I've been feeding their cats. They went to their summer homes. They're like, oh, Sammy's okay. So he really did go on vacation. And they, like, took someone else's car. Okay. Yeah. So, so they're like, mm-hmm. okay, well, that's good. And Nikki actually defends Davy to the boys. She, she's like, he's more of a man than any of you are. And they're like, yeah. Because, of course, they're like, because when she's like, are you, she says them out Mackie, and they realize that he's telling the truth about them talking. And they're just like, wait, so you actually talk? And that's where, it is kind of cute how Nikki, like, realizes this is a big moment for Davy, and she kind of lets him have the spotlight. Yes. Really sweet. Yeah. Yes. And then they end up trying to plant a walkie-talkie at Mackie's window while they play Manhunt. Mm-hmm. And Faraday and Eats are playing Lookout and see Mackie with a massive amount of bleach, rubber gloves, and a bloodstained shirt. Yep. And Faraday tries to spy into his basement, but the windows have been painted over. Yep. Which is not something a normal person does. And I know he has a dark room, but you usually don't have your whole basement as a dark room. It's usually a smaller room in your basement. And of course, like, he's worried about the walkie-talkie because it's an older walkie-talkie set that they don't use anymore. Davy runs into Mackie the next day on his route trying to yeah. fix the walkie-talkies. And yeah, and Mackie saw him outside the window the previous night too. Which yes, was fucking creepy. So so creepy. And um, he's like, "Would you like to come? On? I need to pay you. Come on to the backyard." And of course, he notices like a fresh mound of dirt in the backyard. It's it's not just a fresh mound of dirt. It's a fresh person size mound of dirt. Yeah, like it's literally the length of a coffin. Oh, I love this scene, though. So that night, like, you know, Davey's fucking obsessed. It's like one in the morning and he's spying on Mackie's house and he sees Mackie staring at him from his house with his binoculars. And it's like, it's so like perfectly paced that like he has that, like the camera swings around and then you just see Mackie with his binoculars and he ducks and he's like, emergency meeting, emergency meeting. So they wait for him to go on his jog and they split up and faraday and woody follow mackie to a remote storage shed filled with a car and a bag of lye which is sodium hydroxide which thank god i watch so many soap making videos on the freaking youtubes to relax thank you royalty soaps that i was like oh that's lye and you know what lye does it covers up dead body smells and it slowly dissolves dead bodies which i feel like they did that in breaking bad the first couple episodes not a body i don't know whose body it was so i don't know so at maggie's house they also find something creepy yeah so they find the missing boys mtv shirt with blood all over it so uh-huh. yeah it's just- you know, totally normal to have in your storage shed. Yeah, and so they're like, hey, we got enough information. So they go to Davy's parents with all the information that they have. Which is unfortunate because, of course, they don't believe them. 
And they're yeah. just mad about the property damage and theft and not about like, oh, maybe he might be. Maybe he might be. They're just like, we've known Mackie since before you were born. So, Doesn't yeah. mean he hasn't been killing people the whole time. Just saying. Yeah. And, of course, Davy's dad, though, he forces the boys to apologize. And, and Davey, give the evidence back. Yeah. And Davy admits he's like, you know, Davy does take the fall for most of it. He's like, I was the one who went for the garbage in the garden. And, you know, he shows him the milk cart. And I'm like, God, do we have to show him every little bit of evidence? But he's like, I saw the boy, I saw this boy in your house. And he's like, I thought you were the Cape May Slayer. And he's like, no, that was my nephew, Jamie. Um, He got injured working in the tool shed. That's why the t-shirt has blood on it. I'll call him, I'll call him. And, you know... Davy's dad's like, no, that's not necessary. No, no, that's not that's necessary. Fine. You know, Davy tells the boys, he's like, it changes nothing. But Davy's dad's like, you all go home and you're grounded. Because, of course, that's what he does. Right. And then he ends up going over to Nikki's house while his parents are out. And um, he's comforting her about her life. And he was like, I want to leave too. And then he tells her what happened. And she's like, you just need to enjoy your childhood and just, you know, not do anything. But he's like, but... You know, who's going to stop him if I'm right? Like, who's going to stop this guy if no one's going to believe us? And so the next day, this part is the part as the movie started getting real creepy. Yeah, this is like, oh. Because, like, things seem to be up on up. But, like, Mackie shows up to his house while his parents are out. Yeah, which is really inappropriate. Really weird. And he's in his cop uniform. And he's like, is there anything I can do to make you feel feel better like i feel bad that you got grounded like maybe i can talk to your parents to get them to listen to the sentence because i'm not really upset about it and he's like uh would you mind calling your nephew jamie like you offered to and he's like yeah but i gotta come in for that he's like no 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 the phone cord's really long and he very smartly gets a knife and puts it in his back pocket just in case he needs it and brings the phone cord but he still steps inside the house yeah and i was like that is not okay he did not say come in he did not say come in i would have shut the door in his face first yeah. If I'm being totally honest. And he dials a number and it just rings. He's like, oh, he must be at baseball practice. But, you know, I can try later. He's like, oh, that's okay. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. And, like, almost, like, passes out from terror. But then he calls the operator because this is what you had to do back then. Star 69. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he has to call the operator. Yeah. He have star 69. Oh, yeah. Then. That's right. He had to yeah. call the operator and ask her what was the last number dialed. And he writes down the number and he looks and it's Mackie. Mackie's number and I love how yeah. they reveal that because like he doesn't say it you just see him freak out and then you see that all the emergency like all the neighbors numbers are written down on their like refrigerator and that's Mr. Mackie's yeah so he called himself yeah and this is the this is the turning point where you're like okay like if there was any doubt before like there is no doubt now that that's something weird. really fucking weird is going on and so he tells the other guys he's like you know we have to get in his house like this is the last straw we have to find a way to get in Mackie's house and then there's a broadcast that the May area the sorry the May area killer was captured and by mm -hmm. Mackie no less yeah which is like well that's convenient mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so Davey's like we gotta get in that basement before more people die and he's they have this plan so he's like I'm gonna film everything with my dad's camcorder because film doesn't lie and we need you know I just need you guys to watch my back so he's like Eats you go to the bus stop McFaraday you're at the festival and Woody you're gonna be outside his house and we got all of our bases covered mm -hmm. and at the festival Faraday's like he sees that Mackie's been helping out the town beautification 
mm-hmm. project. So he's immediately like, you were wrong. You're wrong about it all. Meanwhile, Nikki joins Davy and Woody into the house. She scares the shit out of them again. And she like, okay, Woody's like, when they get the call from Faraday, he is like, let's back off. And Nikki's like, no, because if you're right, who's going to stop him? Yeah. And she kind of encourages Davy to keep going. So they go in the basement and they see the stuff they saw before, but it's kind of creepy. And then they see the padlock door. And Eats had unlocked the padlock before and shown him how to do it. So he's un- he's able to unlock padlock. And it's super creepy because it's literally like Mackie's childhood bedroom with like all of his kids, his childhood stuff, like a baseball that was signed to him, photos of him as a child, photos of his parents and him and his toys. And it's like, this is fucking creepy. Like, who recreates their childhood bedroom in the basement? I'll tell you what, the Trinity Killer. Anyways, if you watch Dexter, you know what I'm talking about. The train set. Yeah, huh? So there's another door. And when he's like, no, don't do it. Nikki's like, do it. And he opens the door. And at first they're like, oh, there's just creepy pictures of all of the victims. Well, not all of the victims, but like of little boys in the basement. And they're like, that. that's like, in. it's like, quote unquote the dark room they're like well that's creepy and then they pan down because it's dark and there's a decaying corpse in the bathtub it's the kid from the milk carton and it's the kid from the milk carton yeah and then there's the kid so, that we saw abducted alive and yeah. he scares the shit out of them and they're who's not sammy because remember sammy was okay yeah. um, it was the redheaded kid and they're going upstairs and then this is the okay this was the ter- most terrifying part is and i loved this setup david just goes he looks at all the pictures on the wall and he recognizes them from all the newspapers he looked at and he goes, oh my God, this isn't his family. These are his victims. And then he looks in his family's portrait. And do you think he stole it earlier that day at his house? That's what I didn't know for sure or not. But it's like, Or did he break into the house? Yeah. Oh, well, now we we know with the ending. So. Yeah. He's like, oh my God. So they go to the police and the police actually believe him because they have the tape now. Yeah. And they're like, get that sick son of a bitch. You all are heroes. Yeah. And they're even like, you know, this kid wouldn't have been alive if it wasn't for your son. Because he saved the kid. Yeah, and, and the dad's like, I'm so sorry, son. And Nikki, like, even gives Davy a little kiss. Which yeah. was, that was the part that I was like, oh, but she's 22 and he's 15. And it's like her. That was a little awkward. And the reason she does it is because her parents who were on the verge of divorce, she's like, I saw them hug for the first time in forever. And she's like, I'm not giving up any hopes, but it was nice. Um, But it's a peck, by the way. She doesn't, like, tell yeah. him. No, it's like a very super quick kiss. Yeah. And then Woody asks if he can stay at Davy's house since his mom's working. And they're like, yeah, you'll stay with us. And the thing that bothers me is, listen, I have alarm systems. I have guns. I have weaponry at my house. I still lock my fucking bedroom door at night because I want to hear someone trying to break into my house if I don't hear my alarm go off. I want a barrier between me and that other person, you know? But I guess they didn't do that because the absolute creepiest thing happens and I literally screamed, no, 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 at the television set. But please, but please tell us all what happens because this was... <sighs> oh, yeah. I to vomit. So the boys are like talking and they're like, oh, we haven't found them. But they're like, you know, Davy reassures Woody. He's like, you know, they'll find them. There's no place mm-hmm. left to hide. And so we see it's around midnight. Everything's dark. And we see Mackie slowly descend from Davy's attic, which means <sighs> he's been in the fucking home the whole time, which is it's like terrifying. one of my worst nightmares. Mm hmm. 
And yeah, he comes down, he chloroforms Davy, and uh, he wakes up tied in the back of the squad car with Woody. And so the boys do work together to untie one another. And they take off running, but Mackie is telling them over the maker- megaphone, he's like, we're going to play Manhunt. So it's like a fucking game. Yes. And at first they're doing really good. They're running away. And then they trip over a bunch of fucking dead bodies. Because this is his dumping grounds. It's like an island near... Because this is Oregon, so, like, they're near the coast. And they start getting away, and then he cuts... Oh, I hate this. This is, like, yeah. the worst injury. He he slices Davy's ankle, like, his tendon on his ankle. <laughs> which just seems so fucking painful. And then he gets a hold of Woody, and he slices Woody's throat open. Which just makes my heart break. Yeah. at one point, Woody says, like, joking, like, my mom only has me like she needs me and i'm like oh yeah. god is no mom. he literally says it so like they because he screams they both trip over the bodies and davy places his hand over his mouth he's like i can't die tonight I, he's like my mom needs me he and davy and i think this is a testament to the writing and the sincerity of how it's performed he goes i got you into this mess i'm not gonna let you die tonight and then literally like yeah. four minutes later he's dead and he does try to He's like, hey, over here. Like, he tries yeah. to distract him so Woody can get away. And it's just, it's very sad. It, and me and Taylor not both, okay. me and Taylor were both like, oh, like, I literally were watching it in bed. And I sat up and I looked at Taylor and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Because it's not that the movie plays it completely safe. But this is the moment where the rug is literally pulled out from under you. Yeah. Because you're like, I mean, you can't kill Woody. Maybe. Yeah. Woody is like the Hodor of this movie. Yeah. It's true. He's, like, such a innocent, good person. And, yeah. And it's, like, and you know, when Mackie slices his throat, he slowly, like, lets him down, too. He's, like, shh. Like, he's trying to, like, you know, sh- shush him in his death throat. And it's just awful. I know. I was trying to figure out, like, was he enjoying it or was he trying to comfort the kid? I don't know. And it's, like, feels like almost a mixture of the two. Yeah. Like. Very creepy. It's awful. And Davy does drag himself because his Achilles tendon is sliced. But he finds Woody's body. And Mackie, Aww. like, grabs Davy. And this moment's, like, so heated. Because it's, like, you know, like I said, the casting's so believable that Mackie looks like such a nice guy. And then you just see this yeah. other side just come out. And he's, like, you brought this on yourself. And, yeah. He's like, I just want to kill you. I want to kill you. But that's not enough for you. You spent so much time thinking of me. I'm going to make you think of me the rest of your life. And I'm going to have you wait for the day I come back. You're going to wait Which and wonder. Which is him being a cop and that, what he says, reminds yeah. me so much of the Golden State Killer. Because the Golden State Killer would call his victims, the ones he didn't murder, the ones he just molested and raped and terrorized and he would call them and leave them these haunting voicemails but like i'm you're never gonna catch me i'm gonna come back and get you and it's terrifying because some of them are on tape because obviously like they were having their calls monitored after that happened because they knew that this guy was like that and so like that's why i'm like i don't i don't think the golden state killer was caught before this movie was written but jeez yeah. if they had read i'll be gone in the dark though the book though they might have known how bad it was because it's terrifying and yeah. he was a cop. And it's so, like, it's so, like, heartbreaking. And so he leaves, he leaves Davy like, crumpled up. 
crying near his friend, his best friend's dead body. But Davy does manage to drag himself to the road where a passing car sees him collapse on the side of the road. And as they're driving, they drive by Mackie's police car that's been set on fire. And Davy's, of course. Yeah. And Davy's parents reunite with him in the hospital. And so the last minute of the movie echoes the beginning of the movie. So Davy's riding his paper trail. And he's pretty much giving the same monologue he does at the beginning of the movie. But we see things. We see Woody's house is foreclosed. And Nikki's leaving town with her parents. And then Eats and Faraday are tearing down the treehouse. And Mackie's house has like crime scenes tape. And this is what I think is the most chilling fucking part. Is he pulls out the paper. And the paper says, you know, that, you know, the Bay Area killer is still on the loose. Yeah. And then... He says the closing line, which is... Even serial killers live next door to somebody? Mm -hmm. It's like the same moment as the beginning, but so different. Yeah. It's so different. And I really like that. It was a nice bookend to it. Yeah, this movie, like, the ending really, like, elevates it. Yeah. And it it really was terrifying when that attic stairs came down. I really did scream, no, 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 no. I was like, no, that's not, no. And then poor Woody. Yeah. But it's also, I don't, I really liked it. I thought it was, like, interesting. And I'm glad, the first time I tried to watch it, I was really tired. And I started falling asleep, and it wasn't because of the movie. I just was tired, and I was like, I have to stop this and I have to go back and rewatch it tomorrow and I'm glad I did because I really really liked it I also love the whole treehouse analogy of like the treehouse is obviously like a metaphor for their childhood because they're like I don't want to let go of the treehouse and then at the end like they kind of have to grow up because of the terrible things that have happened and they tear down the treehouse and I was like what a beautiful metaphor yeah. Also really depressing. Also like that all the characters have different, like, they have purposes. Like Faraday helps them figure out what the lie is for. Eats helps Davy figure out how to unlock the padlock. Woody provides, like, mental support. And then Nikki encourages him to go to the basement and gives him, like, the strength to, you know, keep going. And I'm like, this is very nice. Like, everyone's got, like, a job. Everyone's, like, there. It's No one's, like, this isn't, like, it where they took away somebody's entire motivation and gave it to another character. <sighs> Anyways. Yes. Justice for Mike. I know. Mike was the librarian. He was a librarian. Kid. Yeah. Ha! And he was a librarian as an adult. Yeah. Anyways, if you know, you know. So, I like that. Uh, I do think the second watch is much better because everything Mackie does is so much creepier. Yeah. Like, the trunk thing, I'm like, there's a fucking body in that trunk. Yeah. There's a body in that. Like, how can you be so hiding in plain sight? Like, I know that's how people get away with shit, but I'm just like... And it just... It, like, it just reminds you, like, there are people in this world who seem, like, talk a good talk, but they do not walk the walk. And, like, it's so easy to be fooled by them. And I hate, like, I don't want to say, like, don't trust anybody, but just, like, guard yourself. And it's, it's okay to be weird. It's okay to be rude. I'm totally stealing from Crime Junkie. But, like, it's okay to not trust somebody because you got a bad vibe. I always say that, yeah. You know, if you're going anywhere by yourself, text somebody and let them know, like, hey, I'm going here, and then text somebody when you're home. And I actually have a few good friends that I make do that anyway, so. But, yeah, I think this is a really strong movie. Uh, was there anything, any positives that I didn't mention? Uh, well, you, you kind of touched on how, like, you know, anybody could be a wolf in sheep's clothing. I also like that there's real world consequences because, you know, you mm-hmm. can't, you see a lot of movies where it's like, yay, we got the bad guy. And it's like, 
But no, like, there's a ripple effect. And, you know, the thing is, is that Davey really did think he was doing good. And I think there's something really, like, heartbreaking in the fact that, yeah, he saved a stranger, essentially, right. only to get his best friend killed for his actions. Right. And even though it wasn't intentional, he never could have saw what happened. But right. it also kind of makes me frustrated about, like, if there was a serial killer... I would probably have my kids sleeping in my room with me. Also, why did like, the police not sweep the attic? Why yeah. did they not sweep all of those kids' houses? Because you knew that he knew yeah. about them. Yeah, and like I like I said, I would have probably, if I was those parents, I'd be like, we're having a family slumber party tonight. Everyone's staying in the room with us. It's like, I mean, I, I actually do know somebody who lived next door to somebody who was murdered. And... They actually worked from home because they were worried about their child. And I get that. So, yeah, but that's was the precautions that this person I I yeah. knew took because they were like, you know, we don't know if this person is going to return back to the crime scene. We want to make sure our child is safe. I would have stationed a police officer at all of those kids' houses. But also, it does speak to the time because in the 70s and 80s, people did leave their doors unlocked. People did think that things were safe. And then, and it was the most prolific serial killer time period in yeah. America in history was the 70s and 80s because it was that weird... Like, people were starting to figure it out, but it was taking them a really long time. And, you know, police officers are humans. They're going to make mistakes. And sometimes you get really good ones, and sometimes you get serial killers. And, I mean, I think we're more observant about that now. But back then, I think people were trying to be more trusting of officers. But, you know, people get attracted. Bad people get attracted to positions of power. And you have to be so, so strict about who you let into those jobs. And we're not as a society. And we're still not. And I mean, to me, it's just like, no wonder. But that's what I I, I kind of liked about this movie is that, one, it's subverted expectations. Because you do have movies like Stand By Me where it's like very heartfelt. And it's like a bittersweet. And this isn't like bittersweet. This is just a sad ending. Yeah. Because there's these real world consequences. Like he messed with fire and he got burned but i also think it's a testament to the young actors in this film that your heart does break when what happens to what he happens with woody and you do feel davy's pain and you so see I think that's Davey, a real testament like yeah like crying by himself and yeah because he's just sad guilt guilt ridden yeah was there anything you didn't like about the movie so the only real qualm i kind of had about the movie was that i wish there was like a scapegoat like so the whole movie we're led to believe that's mackie and i wish that there was like a other person that's like well maybe it could be them or maybe there was like a fake out well i mean they did really arrest feel- someone yeah but we we knew it was mackie who made the arrest and we don't know yeah. anything about the person who was arrested so it's like oh man a person's been arrested but we don't know we didn't see the person was arrested it was Mackie so it didn't really feel like I feel like it would have been great especially with that because it's about an hour and 45 minutes so we did have that like 15 minutes extra like it would have been great to maybe see them have like a red herring thrown in there that is like well maybe it's not Mackie or had some kind of alibi for Mackie at some point that it couldn't have been I don't know so those are that's the only really qualm I had is that I wish that there was someone else that they possibly could have blamed at some point but other than that I felt like it was a really solid film honestly yeah it's really good i can't wait to see what they come out with next yeah what was your rating for it um so i actually gave it an 8 out of 10 wow yeah i gave it an 8 out of 10 and i had two different grindhouse ratings okay and one of them was rated p 
for porno mags and the pain of growing up. Not peekaboobs? And, and, oh, peekaboobs would have been great. You're that right. Was, I had Pe- rated P for peekaboobs. Oh, porno mags, peekaboobs, and the pain of growing up. Oh, yeah. that's cute. That should be it. Yeah. But, yeah, I but, like it. But keep going if you had another one. Oh, my other was rated N for naughty mags and nefarious neighbors. Okay. I like combining porno mags because I rated P for peekaboobs. <laughs> it's a joke they say the library like peekaboobs it's very funny yeah um i also had rated b for bicycles boobs and botched investigations but i like rated p for porno mags peekaboobs and what was the what was the rest of the pain of growing up yeah yes i had seven out of ten but i really liked it but i think because i did fall asleep the first time and i don't know if it was the movie's fault but i liked it i thought it was really strong it's just not one i feel like i'll watch again and again so yeah maybe closer to eight than a six though yeah definitely 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 and i would re- i would recommend it i think it would be good for almost any age group maybe not very young children because children do get murdered in it but yeah you know. Well, I think with that, though, I think we got our episode of Summer of 84 wrapped up. Mm-hmm. And I think it's your pick next, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is my week. And to round off the summer, it's kind of a summer movie because it takes place near like a like a summertime picnic area. But it's not really a summer film. But it's one that I think you all will enjoy. It's one that I have seen several times. I don't think, Brittany, you haven't seen this movie, right? I haven't seen this okay, one. Okay, but it's a good one, and it's The Host, not the Stephanie Myers host, Bong Joon-ho's The Host, who one of the main characters is Song Kang-ho from Parasite, playing another dad character in this movie. And it's a 2006 film. It's a monster movie, which we don't do a ton of monster movies, um, but it's a monster movie. I will say the CGI is a little dated, but it does hold up pretty well. And it's really not about the monster so much as the story. And much like Parasite, there's a lot of humor. There's a lot of heart. There's a lot of sadness. And there's a lot of scariness. So um, it's more of a horror than Parasite is, honestly. And more, it's much more fast-paced than Memories of Murder. Too, which Song Kang Ho was also in. So it is currently streaming on Showtime and Pluto TV. Also supposedly on some Hulu subscriptions. Like, but you have to have like the premium Hulu subscription, which I just have the regular one. So I can't watch it on there. Anyways, with that, I guess we're gonna have to say good night or good day or good morning. Whatever you're listening to us, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening, liking, subscribing. Thank you for the new follows. We hit over 400 Instagram followers, which is pretty cool. And we had the director of The Last Matinee start following Maxie. us. Maxie! Maxie! Um, which is really exciting because we love that movie. So um, I hope I hope our review does you proud um, because we really liked your movie. And take care of one another. Take your vitamins, wash your hands. If you can get boosted, get boosted. I know they haven't released the under 50 booster yet. And be careful when you travel. And as you're getting back to school and getting back to the school year, because I know summer's ending near when this episode is going to get released, just be careful. Take care of one another. Look out for another. I know a lot of people are probably going to be terrified to go back to school because the end of the school year last year was pretty fucking terrifying. And just go with grace, I guess. And I don't know what to say, but I'm thinking about you. And um, I hope everything gets better. And I hope the world gets a little bit better, too. I'm holding out hope. Uh, Register to vote, for sure. And uh, vote in your local elections. Because that has the most effect on your personal life. So, and be safe. We love you. 
Thank you for listening. We love you. Okay, I'm going to stop talking now. Sorry. Whew. No, you're good. Uh, ask Echo and Katie, thank you all for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. As a reminder, please drink your water. Stay hydrated. It's still very, very hot. There is heat records all over the world. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, it is insane. Keep those babies inside. You know, you know, we're both big on the fur baby love. If it's too hot for your bare feet against concrete, it's definitely too hot for their pod pads. Please be conscientious of that. Stay indoors during the hottest time of the day, which I believe is 12 to 4. So yeah, guys, it. I gotta admit, I'm a spooky bitch. I'm ready for the fall. Me too. I hate, I hate wishing my life away like that, but I've never been a fan of summer, really, and now it just seems like it gets hotter and hotter all the time. But yeah, so drink your waters. Where's your sunscreen? Stay inside if you can. Take care of one another. Take care of yourselves. That's all I can say. I hope you do something nice for yourself today. Thank you again for listening. Uh, and of course, we just look forward to seeing you uh, next time. Same spooky talk. Same spooky chat. This is to y'all. To be y'all. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye, Bye. Bye. Grindhouse Girls Podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.